Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and throw another beer on the Barbie. <laughs> I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading The Lost Man by Jane Harbour, and starting with a beer. This book takes place in Australia, where we know, scientifically, everything happens upside down. So, this is Torch and Crown's Upside is written upside down. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't mess with science, Michael. This is a double IPA, and it's like 9% or something like that. It's pretty nice. It's not any of those like melon kind of flavored ones. It's uh, Honestly, it's, a, it's, it's not quite 100% cold yet, but staying with the theme of this book where everything is so hot, it feels like you're going to die all the time. It's good. Solid. Everyone and their mother's brewer has a double IPA that has this vibe so solid nothing wrong with it hard to distinguish from everyone else but nothing wrong with that the, the bar is high for the bar is IPAs. very high so i'm not sure why we're reading why we read this book honestly this, this was a suggestion from Someone a listener and i don't remember who or why or when if it was you thanks here you go oh i guess it's just like you're welcome um, <laughs> So this is, I, I had a totally different sense of what this book was going to be about, and I was confused. What did you think like, it was going to be about? I thought there was something supernatural about it. Like, I was like, is this like a, a spooky book? I don't know why I thought that, but it's not. It's like a mystery, I guess, is the genre. It's a, right? Yeah, it's like a thriller-esque. Yeah, something like that. There's a mystery. So basically, there's a dead, a dead fucking guy in the outback, and they're like, oh, blooming onion, and he's... Uh, <laughs> We're going to use every single Australian reference that you can think of, which is probably like seven. And some we Googled just to see, but are you sure that's not (laughs) somewhere else? So it starts off with describing him dying, basically, as he's he's on the surface of like Venus and just (laughs) melted uh, as he dies of dehydration. And then we cut to basically the rest of the book is from the perspective, the third person, but it follows the perspective of Nathan. Uh, no relation. Uh, <laughs> no relation. His <laughs> <laughs> first name relations are the most complicated. <laughs> Australia's a weird place. I don't know what they do over there. They do their names upside down, too. Nathan is a, you know, you sure there's no he relation? He's a 40 year old man. <laughs> <laughs> and he's an Australian cattle farmer. Um, and, it's, and his brother is the dead guy. And, and he finds out, and it's like him and. Their other brother, whose name is Bub, and <laughs> for um, Australian for baby. Yeah, yeah. Like when they ex- they explained <laughs> it, and somebody, the woman's like, "Oh, I kept, she keeps calling him Bob." And he's like, "That's no, Bub," and they're like, "But it's Australian." He's like, "Yeah, bleh, bleh. and they're like, "Oh, fucking take <laughs> take the Fosters out of your mouth before you try to speak, you swallow it all, and then say it again." And he's like, "No, it's Bub, short for baby." And uh, wait, did, like, did you say Fosters? <laughs> I did say Fosters. It's all it's it's strained for beer. <laughs> That looks thicker than average. That's a big this boy. Is, and the beer looks pretty big, too. In it. <laughs> <laughs> this is basically a whole keg Jesus of Fosters. Christ. Are they all that size? Or is this that is what they fat? had. It's like gigantic. No, it's like the it's size their, of my thing. head. I think it's a gallon. <laughs> it's like a big gulp. Anyway, I'm pretty sure I've never had this before. And it is Fosters, so... I, do they make more than one kind of beer? They have a green uh, label one too, which is like Foster's bitter or something. Well, like this that. is the blue one. 
has extra kangaroo in it. <laughs> so it's a, no, it's a marsupial it. beer. <laughs> Smells like beer. It's it's like Budweiser, but made in Australia. So it, it instead of taking you know tastes land like beer. from the Choctaws, it took it from some took it from the <laughs> Aboriginal people. Well, they fucking it was made by Americans. I've known nothing about the history of Foster's. I, I, I was looking it up because I was trying to figure out what the brewer is for my very special, very particular list. And it says it was made by two Australians, uh, by two American brothers, William M. and Ralph S. Ralph R. Foster, who arrived in Melbourne from New York. And then they exported it in 1901 so they could have Australian beer in the Boer Wars. <laughs> nice. <laughs> there you That's go. That's what South Africa was missing. Oh, yeah. War. What can't it do? This is something it is good for. Yes. <laughs> Does it taste like down under Budweiser? It definitely tastes like Budweiser or like close enough. Not that I have Budweiser more than once a decade or so, but it, it just kind of tastes like very generic cheap beer, and I'm glad I have a gallon of it. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've heard from Australians that like, at least the ones I spoke to, they don't really drink it. It's like well, something that, you know, they have and is like known, but it's not like, yeah, Foster's, we drink, like, you know, we have the stereotype of Australians sit around drinking Foster's all day and they're like, yeah, it exists, but it's not like super, like we, we identify, it's not like Guinness and the Irish or Budweiser and Americans. It's not great. <laughs> <laughs> it's a basic ass lager. It has a weird aftertaste. That That's would be the, the uh, koala. Yeah. <laughs> Because you have to take that beer and put it in a pouch for a few extra months till uh, it's ready. <laughs> it's fermented in a pouch. Yeah. If they did that, you know, honestly, it would it would be pretty impressive. Be fucked up to the kangaroos, though. Yeah. Whatever. Are there other strange echidnas or whatever <laughs> marsupials <laughs> or whatever they have over there? Knuckles. So Australia, in Australia is a hell continent. That's the that's what I really learned from this book. Is Australia <laughs> a horrendous it's, place. If you get caught outside, you will die. If the heat doesn't kill you, something poisonous will. Or a giant kangaroo thing. Kangaroo call it kangaroo usually. <laughs> and uh Or your own mother. Spoiler. Oh, <laughs> that is what that is one stereotype I've heard about the Australians. Yeah. That's what they're known Motherfuckers. So the the main character, Nathan, you so you find out that the, so the the brother died in very bizarre circumstances. So first of all, he he died on what's called in the area the Stockman's Grave, which is literally this sort of big open like a desert area, very far from anyone's house, let alone any civilization at all. He's dead over the grave of this dude that died in the 1890s, and there's this weird legend about him. And he died, like, on this weird spot. And there's, like, this weird shallow hole in the sand that he died on top of, too. And he clearly, uh, you know, he grew up there. He knows how dangerous it is to be outside. But he was out there all alone, without supplies, and he clearly basically, you know, died of heat. He died stroke, of dehydration. Exposure, yeah, it, dehydration. His car, turns out, was nine kilometers away. His car, fully functional, stocked with water and food and everything you need, but his car was a long way away. And so what it really looks like, and this is kind of the mystery, even though it's so strange, it looks like he he left his car, walked all the way to this weird spot 
in the middle of what said 45 degrees Celsius. And I just looked it up a second ago. Fahrenheit. That's a million. That is 113 (laughs) degrees Fahrenheit, but closer to 113 million degrees Fahrenheit. And he's out there all alone and he's dead. Yeah, but it's a it's a dry heat. I'm sure it was a very dry heat. (laughs) That's how dehydration works. (laughs) In fact, Jane Harper's first book, which I have read, is just called The Dry. So you know it's foreshadowing. Was that about menopause? (laughs) (laughs) It is not, no. So it sounds like he should have stayed home. Uh, This is E.T. Stayed Home. Uh, E.T. Stayed Home 12. A Evil Twin Brewing in New York City Sour Ale with raspberry, blueberry, blackberry, sweet cherry, and sour cherry. That's 6% alcohol. See that that Imagine is, it was uh, cherries purple. in sweet and sour sauce. That would be interesting. <laughs> oh, this is, this is a, a umami note. No, this is um, it's the sour. The, the the tart flavors take through, but it really just tastes like a fruit smoothie. Mm. Not as sweet as some of these other alleged sour beers. This one's actually kind of tart. Like that would be refreshing in forty-five degree heat, or one billion in real units. Perceived heat. I think uh, just drinking a that bucket of piss would be a welcome reprieve in that heat because they talk about people dying in a couple of hours just being outside. So, yeah, it seems like honestly the worst place on earth. That's why they used it as a jail. <laughs> like that's why we they could sent sentence the you to death there. or Australia. And they're like, please, death. Like, no, <laughs> like, nope. You need to know what a knife is. <laughs> Go to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Even for Australia, it seems they are in the just the godforsaken worst part of Australia, which is already a blighted hellscape of a continent. And they're like, I really want to find the most isolated, most horrible, just worst overall area of the planet, and then go further and live by myself. If, if, if how do the cows the planet- live? If you mean the planet Mars, like yeah. that's how inhospitable this place. I, I was wondering actually, like, they're cattle farmers. Don't cows need to like drink water and eat grass? Like, I, are there special Australian cows that could just live off sand and suffering? <laughs> I, I really don't know. I mean, I guess they must be able to live somehow. It's, it's a big, big industry. Is they don't even farming. like uh, watch the cows. They just let them run around for you know eleven months out of the year, and then they just push them into a fence and kill them eventually but they're not like out there day after day they're just like uh run around that is that is by the way the humane way to kill them apparently (laughs) they're free-range cows most of the time the meat sells for more even though they have never had a drink of water in their lives it's it's pre-cooked it's (laughs) it's it's already like that dry aged steak (laughs) dry aged on the hoof Well, fun fact, cattle are actually domesticated from an animal that really does live in basic desert conditions the or in or the something? Middle East. So, mm. you know, in basically the, the Fertile Crescent area, but which is not actually very fertile. There were just some rivers. It, other than that, it was it is very, very hot, very, very dry. And that's actually where cows were domesticated from, cows and cattle, a good 10 thousand years ago so you know clearly they're not going to be as good at it but it's not that crazy knowing nothing about cows it seems pretty crazy but i will believe you i mean also the american southwest 
Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, where a lot of cattle ranching was done. That is a that is a similar, you know, uh, climate. I, I guess, yeah, I mean, it, I know it exists. It just, from the descriptions in this book, which was like every three pages, they're like, by the way, it's hot out. which is just like, wow. There's a part where they're like, uh, he had to change a tire, and it took him 45 minutes, and two liters of water. <laughs> like, <laughs> he had to drink a fucking half gallon of water in 40, like, that's how, is he in a sauna? And everyone's <laughs> pee is just brown from dehydration. Oh God! It, it it comes out as as dust. You just dehydrated. It's like you just add water, and then you'd have real pee. Astronaut. Anyway, <laughs> we're getting <laughs> so. Anyway, this is the mystery, right? Like this guy Cameron is the dead bro, and everyone's like, "Why would he do this?" It looks like he killed himself because he had everything he needed to survive, but he went through this agonizing way to die that must have taken like a day of just feverish heat and going crazy. And he's like baked. And so Nathan's like, oh, that's a bummer. Or he's like, that's ah, a bloody cab, whatever they say. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so they have <laughs> to go figure that out. And then begins like the next 70% of the book where you slowly learn about just the backstories of all the characters and how shitty all of their lives have been <laughs> in various ways. Just depressing, desolate isolation. So the main character, first you learn a lot about, first is divorce. You know, first you learn, you, you learn about some each, bitch each, Sheila. each thing. <laughs> <clears throat> you learn about each thing, uh, sort of in, in pieces at a time about each character. I mean, so he's divorced and it was pretty bitter. Just as he's getting divorced, he happens to be, he's just paid a whole bunch of money to a lawyer, divorce, divorce lawyer, and then he's in town. That one tiny little town, which I'm, a, I'm sort of assuming is basically a bar and like a, you know, a general store. And then that's it. That's like, you know, it's a old West Saloon kind of thing. And it's like at least two or three hours from his house. Yeah, but it's still the closest civilization. Yeah. And there's a nice girl working at the bar that he strikes up a conversation with and then with his wiener comes, yeah, well, <laughs> and then by the third time he goes there <laughs> at closing time he takes her out to his truck and they they fuck in the back of the oh uh, they fuck out back in the truck they fuck out back that is that is exactly what happens yep probably upside down too oh yeah well of course that they're on the other side of the earth and so sure. that was like, and nice. he, you know, was feeling a lot better about himself <laughs> for a day, but then he goes into town, <laughs> but then he, but then he goes into town and he see his, he sees his wife's father and they have to get in this really big argument. And the father is like, cause he's rich. He's like, I'm going to hire the very best lawyers and you make it so that you can't see your son ever. And he's like a total asshole to him. And Nathan is really, really angry. And then they're they're at the gas station because there's like two pumps at one gas station. So it's not like you can really hide from each other. Like having this argument, the father leaves. And then Nathan is like, oh, fuck that guy. Then he gets his own car and they happen to be going the same direction. And he sees 30 minutes down the road, he sees the father, sees that guy on the side of the road. He's clearly like not in good health. I thought at first he had a car accident, but he didn't. He's just really not having a good time. And Nathan just keeps driving, just keeps driving. He's like, fuck that guy. The guy's waving him down. Like, help me. 
Yeah. And, and he's like, nah. He did say, I never want to see you and your family again, so I'm going to interpret that as literally as I need to. And this is like the worst thing you can do in the shitty outback where they live, where you need to, you know, like you, need you could be on a other. road and like it could be a day before anyone else comes down that road. It's like here um, in Alaska, in parts of Alaska, it is illegal to leave someone if you see them hitchhiking. Like you are required by law to pick someone up if they're on the side of the road. It's a thing in these isolated parts of the earth. Like you got to help no matter what, even if he's your shitty uh, father-in-law who's like, that's not a lawyer. This is a lawyer. <laughs> ah, I should have found a billabong. <laughs> <laughs> Don't they make pants? A billabong is like a, like a pond or something. Is Swamp? It? I thought they made something. pants. It's also something, a, it's a body of water. It's also a clothing brand. I, I, I know. It's a douche clothing brand. It's like for mm-hmm. we fucking people who use hacky sacks. And they sell them, they sell them at PacSun in malls. Billabong is, is like you wear like a puka shell necklace <laughs> and you have, a, you have like a different hacky sack. You're like competitive hacky sacks. Like, now, this is like my lighter hacky sack from when it's, when it's like not as windy. Anyway, so he, be, as a punishment, like the, the father-in-law lives or the ex-father-in-law lives, but he makes a point of telling the like paramedics that fucking guy passed me. <laughs> And the entire town is like, that was the worst thing you could do, mate. And they banish him, essentially. He's no longer even a mate. Yeah, like, yeah, good day. <laughs> like, you can't <laughs> come here anymore. You can't yeah. come to the shitty town that's three hours from your house. No one's going to buy your shit. No one's going to help you. And he's a farmer. And he has, like, the worst of of what is objectively the worst land in the solar system it has the worst <laughs> patch of it and did you say solar system i, I can't believe that's a segue. this is solar mass by finback that's, and it's really hot so i was thinking like a lot of sun so yeah. you know that's actually why i picked it but then he said solar system so i had to interrupt you no it's all fair game this is a sour ale with apricot and raspberry so this is this is good this is so much better than that fucking bucket of Fosters I have. <laughs> so much better than that. I thought for a second Definitely like tarts had gotten smaller, but then I just realized the can is enormous. It's just, I mean, this, so this is a, well, I mean, obviously it's a, yeah. it's a, it's an audio medium, but this is a regular, this is a big can. Would you say that this that's a not a beer? Can. That's a beer? <laughs> <laughs> I would. It's very nice. It's tart. It's only a little bit raspberry, only a little bit apricot, but it's good. What is it mostly? It's mostly just sour, actually, oh, is what I would okay. say. Because it's, it's not like that fruity beer that Mike's having that's like all fruit. Mm. This just doesn't have that much in it. It's so much better. So Nathan is forever banished from society and from both stores. Not me, the everyone. one in the story. No. But you're probably banned from there, too, <laughs> just because they don't seem to... The, the, the whole town is like 11... It's like 60 people or something like that. It's not many. And they seem to function mostly on people who happen to be like traveling through. Who would be traveling through is a mystery to me. It's like, I'm going to go visit America, and I'm going to just check out the worst parts of South Dakota and just see what's up. It doesn't make much sense, but apparently How there's enough of the travel. How bad are these Yeah, they're, they're the baddest. Though I guess compared to this place, those are, that's like fucking Shangri-La. 
Well, people, it, I'm sure it's a thing, you know, like young people who are doing the eat, pray, love thing, and they go with a backpack and a passport, and they're like, I'm just going to go experience the world for a year. And then they realize, I have to make a living. Let me go be a slave on some Australian <laughs> farm for a few months. How? And then they just mosey along. And then they mentioned, like, a lot of them just <laughs> die in the desert. <laughs> just yeah, like, they lost. try to take a shortcut through the desert to save two hours, and they end up there because every car tire uh, explodes every 15 minutes because the roads aren't even real roads. and They're you know. not roads. They're basically dirt tracks that, you know, people have driven on, but they're not paved. There's at one point where they take air out of the tires so they could drive more safely on whatever <laughs> surface it was. Like, yeah, it's so rocky, sense. I guess. It's, uh, it's the worst place in the world. But now he is out there all by himself. He's really all by himself on shitland. You know, he literally, he lives by himself. He can't even go into the town, which is three hours away, the only one. Uh, he happens to live next to his two brothers because all the most of the land was inherited from their father, and he was split a shit it three bag. ways. Yeah, and the father we'll you him. you gradually find out that the father was a real asshole. But anyway, so you find out about the the two brothers. So there's the younger brother named Bub who just seems to be very confused all the time. Uh, <laughs> but then what you but the other but the, the first brother Bub short for baby named Cameron <laughs> named Cameron is the one who died. And you find out some backstory. So his wife is the girl from town. The one what that... are the chances? Yeah. She was the only girl in town. Pretty much. And for a second, this one woman from the Netherlands that Nathan banged, and he was like, I am the Dutch master. <laughs> but then his brother was like, no, no, it is me. And he marries her. Yep. So... She, you know, marries. So the girl from town, you know, meets Cameron, the the currently dead brother when he was alive. You know, um, <laughs> that's how that's how time works. You know, meet, meets him and they they like they kind of get together. And she was like, "Oh, I didn't know he was your brother." And it's a small town, so but anyway, uh, so that's a, that that had happened something like ten years before because they have two yeah. kids. And also living at that Cameron's ranch is also two weird English people who are a couple, a man and woman who are a couple that supposedly are there to like help out. And you don't find out a ton about them exactly. But the woman who was hired to be a teacher is clearly a shit teacher because all she shows is movies. And kids are like, what is Isn't this? Isn't that what remote learning is like? <laughs> They are Allegedly. remote learning. They talk about the, the school uh, of the air. School of the air, yeah. So these radio classes. That sounds. What the school of the air sounds like a type of magic. It's <laughs> 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 oh, Hogwarts. He practices this. No, Bobatons was on the flying uh, ship, wasn't it? Yeah, they were. Because the other one was a submarine, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because they were, you know, clearly the Nazi U-boat wizards. <laughs> <laughs> Nazi yeah, adjacent. She's, she's a shit teacher. Uh, and her name is Katie, I think. Katie and Simon, I think. Simon. Like, let's find some British names. Here they are. Nigel seemed a little too over the top. <laughs> so a bit of the next part of the book is, like, first everyone kind of speculating, like, did he did he kill himself? That doesn't seem right. That seems very, very... That, that just seems really weird. And so, but you also, like, literally kind of one of the... What I liked about the book is 
the mystery is not a typical mystery novel because you don't even know if it was a murder. And it's sort of not even revealed until close to the end that, oh, no, oh, no, it was, it was a murder. Sort of, kind of. But at first, it's just kind of a mystery. Like, how did he die? That's so weird. But most of the con- most of the tension and most of the conflict is actually the family drama. It's the main character between his family and the other people. And it's not just about a, you know, detective trying to figure out who's, you know, who's the culprit. In fact, the main character isn't a detective at all. He's just a regular guy just trying to figure out what happened while navigating some very difficult family stuff. And he's had a hard time, like, through these years because he's been all by himself. And at some point, like, he stopped even checking in and people were worried about him. And so they gave him a radio just like a ra- like a satellite button that they push just says I'm still alive once it's a like day a life Always. alert thing the guy yeah, basically I can't get up thing because they kept calling him on the radio and he like wouldn't answer so when they turn it on all that happened would be some static started <laughs> 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 this is some static started by Thin Man it is an imperial stout brewed with coconut and cinnamon oh. small batch eight point two percent that's not imperial interesting it's not as heavy as I thought it would be. I definitely get like a kind of a slight coffee vibe. It's way, like the texture is way smoother than like a thin syrup kind of vibe. Mmm. Yeah, no, it's it's good. It's interesting. It's not what I expected. Beer gravy. <laughs> get a little coconut there. I think you both would enjoy it. I'm sorry you can't have it. I'll have to drink it all for us. Nate, you could drink that whole Foster's. He's going to wake up 11 times tonight to pee. <laughs> <laughs> Plus the issues from your aging prostate. <laughs> 11 extra times to be. It's basically just be one long pissing session in the bathroom where you fall asleep leaning against the wall. Um, Sounds like it's a catheter kind of night. <laughs> we should say that these beers, especially that Foster's that Nate's enjoying, brought to us by our pals over at Patreon. If you head over to patreon.com slash book club, you could support the podcast with real live dollars. And, uh, you know, give them to support the podcast. Keep, keep the beers flowing and other things, you know, less, less fun things. Uh, and in return, you get to vote in our monthly book poll, get early access to our episodes, get shouted out on our monthly shout out when I remember to do an episode, <laughs> and you get physical goods plus exclusive content. So head on over there if you're so inclined. We'd really appreciate it. And if not, just leave us a review wherever you are listening, and that would also help us out tremendously. So, yeah, there's all this, like, Slow things getting revealed, and basically, like any other mystery, a whole bunch of characters are hiding something at one point or another, and people start to reveal little things, and Nathan starts to notice things like, hey, how come I had to adjust the seat in his car when we're the same height? Or someone's like, you know, I'd heard Harry, who's like the old guy who works on the farm as the kind of like super... (laughs) <laughs> he was fighting. That's kind of what he is, right? Yeah, he's kind of like yeah, this. Yeah. But but he's also like, I thought he was the uncle. No, he's not related. He's, he's like a, a, you know, like a family friend uncle. He's like always right. been there. Since like back when their dad was running the place, Harry Since was before the kids there. were born. Yeah, he's been there for like 40 years. He's 1,000 years old. He's just made of leather. No, he's probably made of skin cancer because they mentioned the book, everyone has skin cancer. Like everyone just covered in scars from chunks they had to cut out from the doctor that well, came to town it's, once it's a year. the whitest people yeah. in the it place with the most sun. So. It's a terrible, it's a, yet another reason it's a terrible place for them. That's why they sent criminals there like, <laughs> here, 
Enjoy this. You stole a loaf of bread. It's like sending the Irish Irish to the Sahara. Like, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> well, that's exactly what is happening here. No. Uh, but, it, you know, every, and then Harry had been fighting with Cam, and Harry was like, oh, I know what's going on. Like, well, was that an issue? Then there's the thing that, like, Bub had an idea for how to change their business plan because he, you know, he owns a piece of the land. And Cam was like, fuck your plan. It's terrible. And Cam is the golden boy of the family. Yeah, everyone loves Cam because because Bub is young and dumb. And he's like he's like twelve years younger than the others. But he's he's but even so he's like thirty and he's just like yeah. playing video games on Christmas. <laughs> he's like he's kind of a childish dopey one. There's I several mean, times when they the say games. he's stupid. What the fuck else is he supposed to do out there? Uh apparently uh they just sat around and like talked about owning guns and shit <laughs> he also wants to leave the farm so he can go become a kangaroo bounty hunter <laughs> which really is a real job it's... it's just funny that that's a real thing they also do mention collecting dingo scalps yeah it's like a really weird version of blood meridian <laughs> yeah just collecting scalps of dogs <laughs> so to he's keep dumb, the baby safe but he <laughs> He he's dumb and he has you know he has goals and he doesn't like being told to do so. Go did he kill Cam? And then we find out that Cam's backpacker lady, who's teaching the children, he'd been fucking her and she's pregnant. You're like, oh shit, there's a thing. So it's like everyone like, oh man, who who didn't want to kill him? Maybe you know. And then they get a call that someone is in town from their ancient past. Oh yeah, and it's a. Some backpacker, I think she was a British lady. Jenna, like when he was a kid, she said that he raped her, and he was like, "Nah, it was consensual." Because he was a kid, he was like seventeen. Yeah, he was the golden boy of the family and like a good boy, and no one said like, "I couldn't have done it." And their dad went out and said, "I'll take care of this," and he's like, "It's taken care of." And then they never thought about it again. He's like, "Oh, she definitely made it up." But now with all those other shit well, happening, because she like, changed maybe... her, she was she just left. She like didn't. Yeah, she like I don't want to be here anymore. I don't care. Yeah, she also she did visit the doctor in town. Who was like, oh, you should do something about this. But as a doctor, he can't tell her what to do. And so, yeah. twenty years later, it's like, huh, maybe this guy has done some bad stuff. He might not have been a great bloke after all. You also find out about the father and how just angry and abusive he was and that he punished the boys for they at one time they were gonna run away i guess or they're just gonna run away just to like go they were just like we're just gonna go on our own backpacking trip without telling anybody i think they were trying to run away or i guess so yeah it was like running away because they didn't like the father but they didn't get that far i mean they clearly would have died you know out in the outback but um i clearly would have died but they get back and the father is just like builds a fire outside and then tells the kids bring me your most treasured item <laughs> and then some real maniacal shit yeah, yeah and then first you know tries the first one he tries to wheel out a bike and he's like Mm-mm, nope that's not it <laughs> and he's like oh beat the shit out of you till you bring me the right one which was his guitar he said i'll burn everything you bring until you bring me the right one and then i'll yeah, burn that <laughs> yeah and he makes the kid put it on the fire and the mom begs she's like do you have to burn his fucking guitar and he's like shut up cunt i'll make it worse for you uh, cunt is a good term 
in Australia. That's a that's a uh, term of respect for ladies, I think, because they don't like to say Sheila anymore. I think Sheila is not really cool anymore. Mm. And then the other kid, Cam, brings out his thing right away. It's like a book, a World War II history book that he's read, and he mutters under his breath, "The Nazis burned books." <laughs> and I was like, "Get me another book." And then he just had this big stubborn match where the kid just keeps bringing out books and the cat keeps making him burn them until he burns every last book in the house. And they're like, that's parenting. <laughs> Outback style. So yeah. the father was awful, Fuck. but he Bush had actually, <laughs> he had actually died in a car accident 10, 20 years before. So something like 20 years before, because this is when the, the little kid, the, when Bub was eight or something like that. Yeah. Yes. And then... And then the other kids were, were teenagers, and it was, like, kind of the best thing that ever happened. And I'm like, wow. This is Bonza. <laughs> we're never going to talk about how awful he was. Except when but the mom shows off, like, oh, look at the scars he left on me. They're just hidden amongst all my skin cancer scars, so no one noticed. It's like, oh, that's, that's a horrible sentence. Sometimes he had to beat her. She didn't bring the Marmite fast enough or whatever it was. <laughs> what is Marmite? A horrible thing. Oh, I've had it. It's disgusting. We'll find out today if we have any uh, Australian listeners. Um, it is like a, it's like a spread, but it's like it, 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 it tastes like it's made out of like vitamin B pills and um, tar. Uh, I really don't know who <laughs> wants to eat this. I think it's made out of yeast. Ah, like brewer's yeast. I don't know. Like, what's the what's the point of it? I think it's supposed to be like very healthy shit for you to eat. It's because they can't grow food. They can only like subsist on moss and lichens. <laughs> you just eat it's too just hot like, for wheat. It, it is. Ugh, it is so gross. I don't know. I, it's it's a horrifying thing. But it's better than dying to you know to dying, dying to, to death. death. <laughs> so dying of dehydration, <laughs> which is what happened to Cameron. I know. No, Vegemite's the Australian one, right? Marmite's the British one. It's the same fucking horrible shit. I don't remember which one. Vegemite. It was I thought Vegemite was like a song. brand name for Marmite. It, I think it's it's. I think they're like this. I think it's they're both trash. The other Vegemite's the Australian one. Sorry, but not. So he died, and everybody's like, "I wonder why he died." And then eventually they figure it out. Well, the dad. Well, they know how he died. He was in a car accident. Well, also the mom. bled to death, and the mom was in the car too. And remember, you could be on the road, and no one. No one sees you for a long time because there's not a lot of traffic. And by the time somebody came, the father had bled to death. And the mom was lucky she didn't, you know, bleed to death. She bled to life. And uh, <laughs> she, she just bled a lot. But she was, she was like okay. a Nicholas Sparks novel. Bled to life. I think it is. I think that's like a prequel to The, the Notebook. A walk, a walk to Forget <laughs> bled to life. A Walk to Forget is The Notebook. So, you know, all these are clues, but, you know, like any other mystery thing, like you don't know which are the clues that actually fucking matter and which are just little red herring things or which What's clues the are there, but like again? you don't, you're not the which wife, the, 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 the Cameron's the wife, Ilsa. 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 That's right. Keep forgetting. So, um, it's, so this is all happening around beer. Christmas. I'm having just another E.T. stayed home, so I'll tell you. Okay. Because he should have <laughs> so, stayed home. He, fucking, he should have stayed, stayed home twice. <laughs> Everyone should have stayed home. Or he should have stayed home times. 11 times I'm up to yeah. now. 
I can't believe you had 12 and 11 and you did 12 first. It's insane. It's Australia. I'm doing it up, it's up, upside down. It's Australia. You got to go the other way. Uh, this is. It's not like they matter at all to each other. This is a sour with pomegranate, passion fruit, and peach. That's six percent alcohol. Oh, that's so much better. It's far less tart. Much. Oh, it's delicious. It's like it almost tastes as good as getting away with murder. <laughs> <laughs> Twice. Yeah. Spoiler. This all happened like five days before Christmas. Which is the middle of summer in Australia. That's confusing. Because everything's fucking upside down. There's literally like, so it, it kind of works out that on Christmas Eve, all of this sort of, a lot of things come to a head where Nathan gets into a fight with Bub. They literally just like have a beer, have a Foster's, and then just like beat the <laughs> shit out of each other. That's not and a Bub, punch. Even though he's the even though he's the younger sibling, is actually just a huge guy, so... They're like all Australians. They're all like 6'4 and diesel and blonde. So this book did a good job of really kind of foreshadowing everything or everything that happens also like happens happens at the end, also happens at the beginning, puts it in a slightly different way where one of the stories that Nathan tells Elsa in the beginning, Ilsa, Ilsa, not Elsa, it's not frozen, um, tells Ilsa the opposite of that. is that, oh yeah, I know, people just get in fights here. One time this fight lasted four hours and people just like, Pulled up lawn chairs and watched. There's nothing to do. Ilsa's response was, I don't know if that means they're good at fighting or bad at fighting. Yeah. So did the, was it Christmas first or the funeral was first? I think the funeral was I first. I think it was the funeral was first, right? The funeral was like, I think the funeral was Christmas Eve or maybe it was the 23rd yeah, something or like something that. like that. Do you know that Australian, like, how to make gravy song? It's this, no. it's just like It's just like Christmas alternative. It's this Christmas song called How to Make Gravy. And it's by this Australian guy. <laughs> And it's actually, it's a really, like, bittersweet, so, like, the, the the song is all a guy calling his bro or some his brother, that he's he's clearly in jail. He's in prison. He's going to be in prison for Christmas. <laughs> and he's just, like, saying all this stuff, like, say hi to my, don't let my kids cry. Who's going to make the gravy? Don't make, make sure you include these ingredients. It's, like, a really, so, it's one of my favorite Christmas songs. It's not a Christmas, like, it's a fun, <laughs> it's, like, a different song. It's, like, really heartbreaking when you listen funny when you think Christmas about the words. song well it's not really meant to be right funny with grandma got run over by a reindeer it's different because i mean it sounds silly when i say it's about making gravy but the whole song is like really quite sad like hope like christmas christmas folk song or something or no i mean it was written i think it's from the later 90s uh i, I, I don't know where i discovered this on like spotify or something at some mm. point but it was in my head this whole scene like i was like is this what Australian Christmases are all like just terrible. Like it's one where guys like I'm in yes. jail, and make sure you put red wine in the gravy. And, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Kangaroo meat needs gravy. <laughs> Whatever. You're looking it up. I was just saying who the guy is. Paul Kelly. I don't know who he is. Which is a very Australian sounding name. 1996. There you go. Song of the Year nomination at the Australasian Performing Right Association Music Awards. Oh, well, that's pretty elite stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, they have Christmas barbecues thing. is like a thing there. We cook up wallaby. You can just <laughs> leave the fucking meat outside and it cooks itself. Yeah. Unless the dingoes eat it. Yeah. Well, that's why everyone has a gun. They just stand next to it. Well, that's the thing, too. Like, uh, Nate, so they're also worried about Nathan's mental health. You're like, because well, shit, he doesn't Cam- have a gun. <laughs> well, because Cam- Cameron had all his shit together. On the surface, Cameron's the guy doing everything right, and he killed himself. Well, fuck, Nathan's really fucked then. 
No one talks to him. He has his wife, like he barely sees his kid. He's alone in the shit land. And then they find he got he he let his gun license lapse, which I don't know much about Australian gun laws. I know they're pretty they're very strict thing? though. Yeah, they're very strict. I think they're saying in out there where they are, they're super important for, you know, dingoes. Well, there's like wild animals and shit, and like there's no police that are going to save you if you need your emergency services. So yeah. it's just it's just a a thing you need to have. Like they also mentioned some sort of first aid kit that one cat one person they have like an emergency kit with like real drugs in it that the doctor will tell you over the radio how to use if something's gone wrong because you are hours away from medical care. So, so there's like the honor system with a lot of the shit. And since it's like 11 rugged fucking crocodile Dundee guys, they're like, whatever, take all that morphine if you want. <laughs> so yeah, everyone's worried like, dude, you let your, that's like, that's, that's kind of like a suicidal, like a death sentence thing out here. Like if you don't have a gun, you're really helpless. What is, is this like a cry for help sort of thing? Um, so everyone's worried about Nathan. And uh, so there's that other element of the story too, but it doesn't, that's not, he's fine. I mean, he's bummed and miserable, but he is quite miserable. But then he finds out from Ilsa, her story about how basically Cameron was at least as terrible as the father was, if not worse, because he was actually able to hide it and nobody knew Whereas everyone at least knew that Carl was the dad's name, was a fucking nightmare of a person. And he's, you know, he beat her and he's been cheating on her and uh, he banged everything that came into town. And he broke the kid's arm, the little girl's arm. Yes. Then they're like, well, shit, maybe that like rape thing might have had some truth to it. So you find out that Ilsa was trying to, was trying to leave him, but. He was so controlling, it was very difficult. And one thing that she had done is she had gotten together whatever, like, cash, like, money she could, and then whatever documents she could, she could like, for the kids and, and everything, and she put it in a plastic pouch, and she had driven it out to the Stockman's grave and then buried it as to sort of hide it. And that, in a story you had heard about earlier in the book, but you know was important... She okay, so we heard early in the book you had heard, oh, a few weeks ago, mommy had taken us to the stockman's grave. Isn't that so funny? And then we just it was kind of weird, and then we just came home, and then you find out from Ilsa, she was like, No, I packed the kids in the car and I brought them there, and then I realized this isn't enough money to leave. You know, we've got to drive hours and hours and hours, and we've got to find lodging and food for the kids. Like, I just can't. So I told the kids oh, hey, isn't this great? And then drove them back. But then the, the Cameron realizes, when she came back, Cameron realized exactly what, like, you were trying to leave me. And then, so this other thing, important part of the plot that we've totally skipped, is that Cameron, as a teenager, had done a painting of the Stockman's grave that had, like, won some local awards, and there were, like, postcards of it in a local gift shop which i'm sure local meant like a thousand miles away and it was like (laughs) semi-famous on the internet and was one of the reasons why the seven tourists a year came into town to see the weird thing and then the whole time the family especially the mom said don't touch the paintings the painting is up there in a very expensive uh frame and you know and so right at the end after Nathan is like, what the fuck is going on? This is stupid. And then he like takes the picture down and he finds 
No, he he takes it down for something totally innocuous. He takes it down because yeah. the the little girl is painting the same thing, and he's like, I I I reckon yours is just as good. And then he. <laughs> Brings it over and he's like, "You paint real good for a Joey." And then he brings <laughs> over the uh, he brings over the painting. He's like, "Let's look at the two paintings." And everyone's like, "Oh, yours is just as good. That's really sweet." And then he notices because he has to turn it around and he sees on the back the plastic thing is there, the pouch. He's like, "Oh shit!" Like uh, so many mystery novels, like the big clue is in front of us the whole time, but no one yeah. notices it there. It was the perfect hiding spot. It was the perfect hiding spot. And then it was the mother, which is which is Nathan, Cameron, and Bub's mother, who is a very minor character in the book up to this point, which is like right basically the last couple of pages of the book, says, yeah, I put it there. I've been telling everyone not to touch the painting because that's the one place I could actually hide it. And then in only the second time in the book, it switches perspective and suddenly it's third person from the mom's perspective and then the mother who earlier in the book you had heard like that the mother you know who had survived this car crash and was a pretty rugged lady she rides she goes she has a horse and she goes horse she goes out horseback riding every morning like that's just something she does something she likes to do and then the morning that cam died she had also Cam said that the horse had spooked, and that's how the daughter's, that's how my granddaughter's arm got broken. But I, this is weird. The horse seems fine. There's nothing wrong with the horse. She went out for a long ride and had ridden all the way out to the Stockman's grave where she found Cam digging in the dirt. I forget actually how he had realized, but he had dug up the pouch with the, with the money that his wife had hidden there because she was trying to escape. And he says to his own mother, Oh, yeah, I was going to do this other thing, but maybe I need to go back home first. And so the mom, who's... Teach him a lesson. Runs to... She she had ridden there on her horse. She runs to his car. I, I don't think she meant to teach him a lesson. No, no. She, he was going to teach the, his oh, family okay. a lesson. Yeah. She's like, I'd yeah. better kill myself. She was like, the kids are there. He's like, they might have to hear this, too. Yeah. So the mom, who happens to be like, you know, five meters closer to the car than he was... Thank you for doing it in Australia. <laughs> it was. It was like five meters. <laughs> like I was gonna say, I was gonna say twenty feet, but then. <laughs> but somehow he puts the thing in the car first. He put it. Like, he put it in the car, and then he went back to go dig more shit up. Is that what it was? Yeah, something like that. But anyway, the mom who after hears after hearing basically like I'm gonna go murder my own wife, she jumps the car and just guns it just like drives away the keys were already in the ignition because that's a thing that cam did who there's nobody around why bother leaving why bother taking your the keys out they you said know. that for everybody did that as a practice nobody everybody left their car keys in the car they yeah. said that earlier in the book so she drove away she just like drove out and left him there but she didn't she didn't gun it she went like slow enough to see him in the mirror the whole time. Because actually, the horse she, had, the she horse. had she had tied just in the conversation she was having. She had because she'd ridden there on her horse. She had taken the horse and sort of like just tied its reins to the to the car, so she couldn't go so fast that too too fast for the horse. But horses can go a lot faster than people can. So, still much faster than him. He had chased after her so in the car. car in person power, and and then she left him there. And she actually had had to reposition the car the next day when, when he didn't come back. She, like, she knew. 
what had happened. She did it on purpose. She totally knew what happened. She absolutely murdered her own son, or more like left him there to die. I mean, she, she, any court would call this murder, but he, she, she didn't, you know, plan it. But one of the things that Nathan noticed, he's like, "Wait, why do I have to adjust the car seat?" And then he, you know, there's this other like thing where like a guy came to his house to fix his fucking refrigerator or something. Like his like, cool room. His cool room, just. I think it's the one house that has the one room that has air conditioning. <laughs> and so he's like, uh, well, because they have to buy basically all their groceries and shit in six-month allotments because there's no supermarket. That Every six months, there's like a giant panel truck that comes through and you have to order your shit. So you have to have, you know, you have to have a place to store it. And sometimes the river floods and you're cut off for a month. Yeah. So he's like, oh, shit, did you... Did you see my brother's car? Because you would have driven past it, and there's like nothing else there. You would have totally noticed this car. And he's like, "No, nah, I didn't see it." And they're like, "Well, he probably maybe you didn't notice it. Like maybe you just didn't see it." And and you realize it's because the car wasn't there at that point, and the mother moved it back later. And there's another thing like the key, the car keys were like very neatly placed in the car, which is not how the brother, whatever. But basically, she there was a million tiny hints that don't make sense until the end. Right? Like yeah. And, and a lot of other red herring things. Like, it turns out that the woman that the brother had raped when he was 17, she was not, you know, the, you for a while you're led to kind of think she's, like, sneaking around and she's doing that something. A lot, of, a lot of the characters mention, like, oh, don't you ever sometimes feel like someone's watching or there's someone there that you don't see? And so, you're like, and then the little girl mentioned, oh, there was the, the Stockman ghost. This place is haunted. Things are going missing. And... So you're let's total red herring has nothing to do with her, but she did send a note like she clearly went through a, you know therapy after the, you know her trauma, and she's like I forgive you for what you did to me, and she sent this note. And the mother has it, so the mother realized this. My son is is as terrible as the fa- as my husband was. He's just a, as much of a monster. And she remembers all the other lady travelers who came through town and left very suddenly. And then Nathan remembers, he puts it together, when the father died, it's the same kind of thing. Like, oh, he was left in this position for, well, you just don't have to tell anybody for a little while and the guy's going to die. You know, like, so they're in this car accident and, and the mother claimed to be knocked unconscious while the father slowly bled to death. Maybe she was totally awake and she just watched him bleed to death, you know? And so she's like, you know, that's what happened. What are you going to do? Don't, you do what you think is right. And then the cop, the one cop in the entire town, uh, return. You know, he's been trying to call the cop because he, he's been putting together these little things, like these clues. He just didn't know what to make of them all. Now he finally knows. He call, Nathan calls the cop, and the cop's like, "What was that all? What's the big deal?" He's like, "Oh, nothing. Don't worry about it." How are it. you? <laughs> Good day, mate. <laughs> and then the end. In the, in the, he, yeah, don't worry. He's, well, he says, I'm going to be coming into town more, so tell whoever you got to tell. And he goes like, all right, I didn't really think that was, you know, urgent. He's like, well, now you know. And then he goes out to be with his family. You know, so he's, and he's did we mention he's like reshacked up with Ilsa? They banged again? But always in the back oh, of the That's right. On, on Christmas Eve. In the exact the best way you say they had a come got, to Jesus moment? A come for Jesus moment. <laughs> <laughs> but it was in the back of his truck... Just like the first time. And it's the same truck. 
Yeah, that's the same one. That is definitely, if it's not, that is a top 10 country hit at some point. In the back of my truck, just like the first time. (laughs) 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 By Garth Brooks. (laughs) Also, banging your husband's widow... Bagging your brother's widow, I mean. Bagging your brother's widow On clearly has become a trend yeah. in novels. Uh, I believe the Bible tells you to do that at one point. Actually. Yeah, that's true. You, ha- you kind of have to, according to the Bible. There's, there's, there's conflicting things, because when Henry VIII tried to get his marriage annulled uh, from, was it Catherine of Aragon, who she was like cousin She had of the originally Pope? been, she was originally supposed to marry his older brother, but he died. I think she was she married to the brother. It's I think she was already question. married to her. I mean, I've never uh, read any of those Allison Weir that books that would tell you all that crap. Do these all come from those old Bible stories of Ham and his brother Cold Cut Cheese? <laughs> <laughs> we both went there. We both went there. <laughs> yes. Um, he named all of his sons after sandwich parts. <laughs> Abraham. <laughs> Good job. Uh, so, yeah, Henry VIII was like, see, look at this part of like Leviticus or whatever that says you can't marry your brother's widow. And then the Pope was like, mm, but look at this part of, you know, Deuteronomy or whatever the fuck it is that says you have to do that. And like, well, how the fuck are we supposed to read this book then? You don't. Uh, so We're Catholic. He's like, ah, me too, JK. For a little while longer. <laughs> All right. So that's the end of the book. What do you think? So, I really liked it, especially after just reading the fucking Agatha Christie book last week, Murder on the Orient Express. This is so much better. This is just, I mean, obviously it's 90 years newer, so styles have changed and things like that, but it's so much better done than Murder on the Orient Express. I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah. I'll give it that. So, first of all, it doesn't fall into the sort of into the tropes, into the cliches of detective novels because it's not the main character is not a detective who has, you know, just a great, you know, intuition, just a great gut to figure out who's telling the truth. That doesn't do any of those stupid things. And then while there is a mystery, you kind of don't even, it's not even clear that it's even a murder until the very end. And it's really just kind of like, that's weird. So, even though the whole time you have that, this weird that the uh, that this that this guy died, and you want to know in in weird circumstances, you want to know how it happened. So there's that's one thing that drives interest in the plot, but also it's the family drama between the main character and all the other things that you gradually find out, and that's also what keeps it entertaining. And it's not just trying to figure out who you know who done it. It's not just that. All the important parts that happen in the second half or really that relate to the mystery are foreshadowed in the beginning. It's kind of like, oh, that's where that connects. Oh, and, and also all the little details are wrapped up at the end and not just left hanging. So I thought it's just this is the way a mystery is supposed to be written. Actually, I, I think because I felt, I felt the opposite for a lot of those reasons. I thought... It was. I mean, I, I I did enjoy reading it to a degree. Like it was a fast and breezy read. But I thought because like you didn't know what even like what the mystery was until halfway through. I just felt like there was just a lot of crap that happened. Like 
oh, this brother died. That's weird. And it's like, and now let's learn about the brother's history as a teenage rapist to explain why he's dead. Like, I just, that felt random to me. It was more of a, just a story of this family brought together by this murder. It was almost like the murder was, it wasn't secondary, but it kind of was at times. Or the death, at least, because you don't know it's a murder for most of it. You're not sure. I mean, it's fine. If you're into mysteries, it's definitely great compared to the majority that are out there. Nate gave the lost man five stars. Who knows what five stars would be? Wow, Nate, you're pretty stingy with stars. I know. I was surprised to see that. Nate gave, Nate gave like, Cavalier and Clay four stars. And you're going to give the lost man. Anyway. When I was thinking about what to put Lost Man as, I was like, oh, you know, I've been really inconsistent recently. My ratings have been all over the place. But you know what? This was so much better than Murder on the Orient Express that fuck it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it five stars. It's impossible to rate things in a vacuum. To show that cunt Agatha Christie what I thought of her 80 years beyond the grave. I, I, liked, I liked it a lot. I liked it for probably the same reason as Nate. But compared to different books for me it was after reading like invisible man and go tell on the mountain and finishing don quixote it was nice for once to just read a book where i didn't have to worry like what symbolism am i am i missing here it's just a fucking story and it's not some like wow this is you know like high literature and it was it's not it's not exhausting to read and try and understand. It's just like, this is a good story. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think, I think people don't read books a lot because they always like, oh, books, you know, it's all like, you know, these hoity-toity things. And they don't have to be. Those are the ones that, you know, last time and whatnot, but they don't need to be. And this is just as good, just for different reasons. And for once in a while, especially after like a month long of just really like highbrow stuff, it's just nice to just read a book that I didn't have to take notes on because I, did, I didn't need to. It was just like, thank God. Just a straightforward, enjoyable book. No, that's fair. It, it, was, it was a fine book. I, I read it almost all in today. And it wasn't a chore at all as compared to most highbrow stuff. I just didn't, I don't know. I just didn't love it that much. But well, this isn't really my genre, so that's fine. Yeah, it, it, it was... It was not, it's not something that I probably will remember very well in a year, but for what I watch, it's, it's like watching a movie that is like, that was a good movie. I enjoyed it, but it's not some fucking independent French cinema shit. It's just like, this is just a good movie. <laughs> I enjoyed this. I had a good time. Thank you. Sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes that's how a book has to be. Yeah. If you're looking for a fun book to read, this is definitely. There were no kangaroos though. And I was pretty down about that. Not, not even one. Even one. They were mentioned in passing. It's too hot. There could have been a character that was one. <laughs> he could have been murdered by a kangaroo. This is the most Australian thing I've ever read in my life. I will say that. I did read The True History of the Kelly Gang, which is actually not a true story. It's a fiction novel. That's a Booker winner. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's pretty ridiculous. And that that's probably the most Australian thing. Though, really, that book is... Angela's ashes in Australia. Angela's much drier ashes. Which is what she would turn into if she just went out into the sun for 15 minutes. <laughs> how, did this, uh, how did this compare to her other book, since you read the other one? I, I, I don't know this person at all. That's also a mystery novel. Hmm. Um, it was fine, yeah. They're both fine. Both well done. Like that shrimp that's on the Barbie. 
Well, that's because if you put it outside, it cooks. You don't even have to put it on the barbie. You cook it faster. You, you, yeah. If you want to slow... Uh, Shrimp cooks are really fast. Like, you don't, you don't need much. Especially when it's 115 degrees outside. When you slow roast things, you put them in the cool room. That's, uh, <laughs> that's the slow cooker, basically. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I think that's, it's worth reading. I don't, thanks, whoever recommended it. Sorry that we can't remember who you are. It was a long time ago. We drink a lot. Yeah. It's not our fault. It's, we're victims. Yeah. So tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Or follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. And head on over to uh, patreon.com slash drunkguysbookclub if you would like to support the podcast in a financial way. Uh, or leave us a review wherever you're listening and just round up to five stars. One for uh, each Australian uh, stereotype we employed in this episode. And check us out on Goodreads and be our friend because we are friendly. And we're lonely. <laughs> that would we're make lost. it a real good day. Oh, no, that's not how that works. <laughs> and check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.